0: You're listening to the Bucket List. Do you know it costs four hundred thousand dollars if you play a night game at really? the MCG? If you turn the lights on, stewarding, everything else, four hundred thousand. How did you know? I know lots of rubbish about sports.
1: Talking about rubbish about sports, what's, oh, yes. what's happening with the weather in England?
0: Raining. Lords. We're three days in. We've only got two days left to get results. I don't think it's going to be a result. I think it's going to be a draw. And yeah, a
1: draw, because that's not quite correct.
0: That's what uh, Americans find fascinating about cricket. You can play for five days and not get any, any results, although there hasn't been too many draws over the past five or six years.
1: Also, we'll find out what hurling is.
0: Oh, you've got to be mad a to mad, play this sport.
1: It's a mad Irish sport. We'll yes. do that shortly on the bucket list.
2: Listening to the bucket list with Beefy and Diana Simons.
1: It's a bucket list on ECM Plus this morning. We are chatting to Ange Palmer. She's part of the Henley on Todd Regatta in Alice Springs today. This is a boat race, the only one in the world on the Todd River where there's no actual water.
2: So, how does this actually work? We use the dry river, Ben. What we do is we cut off the bottoms of the boat, you put your legs through them and you run for your life and you win, that's it.
1: So there's some pretty unusual boats that have taken part in the past. What's some of the strangest um, vehicles you would call a boat?
2: Oh man, I think 2016 we had our first submarine, the yellow submarine, the most weirdest of the lot. They actually drove all the way from Queensland, four septuagenarians. In their caravans, we had a submarine in the dry riverbed. We had an armoured vehicle once, which was dressed as a boat.
1: That's amazing. I have seen you had a couple of boats that were obviously truck-powered, like a Viking boat.
2: Ah, those are different. At the last event of the regatta, it's called the Battle of the Boat Spectacular, and boats that are constructed around four-wheel drives. So they come into the river, we've got the pirate boat, which is truck that's dressed like a pirate boat, we've got a Viking boat, and we've got the Navy. They chase each other around the arena, spraying each other with water bombs and cannons. It lasts for about 8 to 10 minutes. At the end of it, the crowd gets to vote on who the winner is. Good luck
1: with that. That is Ange Palmer from the Henley on Todd regatta in Alice Springs today on The Bucket List.
3: Does your sporting club or community group need help with fundraising? My Club Shop is your essential fundraising partner. This free service is simple to use and can provide a -a 12-month-a-year revenue stream. With support from great companies like Samsung and TCL and new features being added daily, this revolutionary platform is a complete game-changer. Did we mention it's all free? All you have to do is log on to myclubshop.com.au to register your interest and one of our friendly team will get in touch straight away. That's myclubshop.com.au.
2: This is the bucket list with Beefy and Diana Simons.
1: And this morning we are chatting to Emily Mannix from the Vixens, who's on her way to training this morning. Good morning to you, Emily. I am. Thank you for having me, guys. <laughs> Currently third on the ladder. Two games to go before the semi-finals. Yeah,
4: excited to head into the game tomorrow.
0: If you guys get home final, you're not. Like, you won't be able to play at, at your home stadium because there is a gaming convention on. <laughs>
4: I don't even know what that is, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but we will have the home crowd.
0: The growth of netball in terms of spectator sport has been quite phenomenal since the uh, the professional leagues brought in. What have you noticed is kind of the main changes? I know you're quite young still. You're playing in front of Salah Arenas as well, which is quite phenomenal.
4: I'm actually mid-20s now, so not that young. Oh, you're a um, lot younger than me, Emily. Don't, <laughs> don't worry about that. <laughs> I'm a seasoned vixen now. I've been around for five years, so I feel like I'm a veteran. Um, but, yeah, look, the league has come so far. I think, it, and it is the best netball competition in the world. We do have a lot of internationals come over to play, and, then, and there's a bit of a talk around if there's too many international players, and that's sort of a, a different topic. But make the league really strong. If you look at the, you know, the top three teams; it's all really close, and that's what spectators and fans and people watching the game want to see.
0: What amazes me, I've been to a few uh, Suncorp games over the past couple of seasons. The warm ups that you girls do before the matches just blows me away. I'd be absolutely stuffed.
4: (laughs) To be honest, as a goalkeeper, I am stuffed after the (laughs) warm-up as well. So, it's not just you. Although you are gasping for air a little bit sometimes, it is the best preparation. And even though you feel shocked, oh, how am I going to play out a game? I can't even get through a warm-up. You're ready to hit that first whistle hard because you're as warmed up as you can be. But some of them are quite intense and we do a lot of different things in our warm-ups. So, keeps us on our toes.
1: Emily, these days with gender equality, you know, with the AFL and cricket, do you think the world is ready for a men's netball team?
4: Look, we actually play the men at training, so um, we have a few different teams. Um, We have the Vic men's team and, you know, under-21s men's team, Victorian, come in and and train against us sometimes. We've had a couple of, especially in the pre-season, we had a couple of matches against them and they're really great and they're, they're so different, they play the game so differently to women. They can jump a lot higher. Yeah, they're just such phenomenal athletes. So I think there could be a men's competition in the future for sure. I think the skill that they have, and it is a different game, but see what happens there.
1: Because I think Beefy look cute in a little netball skirt.
4: <laughs> yeah, I reckon.
1: It's got nice our legs.
4: and dresses are very tight. So um, oh, hello. good luck with that. But uh, <laughs> you, you're willing to give it a try if you'd yeah. like. I can I can send you one of mine.
0: Oh, beautiful. Um, you wouldn't actually <laughs> believe this. I actually work with uh, somebody that plays for the men's netball Australian men's netball team.
4: There really is one.
0: There really is one. I think they're off to New Zealand for the World really? Championships in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah.
4: Oh wow, amazing! What position does he play?
0: Uh he's quite tall, so he might be a defender. I reckon. He's
4: obviously a shooter or a defender. Yes, not
0: definitely. The Midcourt.
1: There's yeah. something alert this morning, Emily. Yeah. I'm back. Thank you. Yeah,
0: exactly, <laughs> Emily. We ask all our guests. This uh, our show's called the Bucket List. Is there a sporting event on your bucket list?
4: Well, actually, in the break for World Cup, myself and the three other training partners for. the the Australian Diamonds. and We had a little bit of time that our coach allowed us to have before coming back to Vixens and we actually headed to Italy, Positano for five nights. That was incredible and also surreal being mid-season again that we're just over living it up in summer, a European summer which is pretty crazy but a few of us Vixens girls are talking about heading over to America potentially at the end of the season. Lara Dunkley, her brother Josh plays the Bulldogs. Um, Apparently he's got a few hookups with some sporting clubs over there, NBA and um, that sort of thing. So, yeah. we might head over there and, and hit that up, which would be pretty cool.
1: Oh, give us a call. Let us know what's going on <laughs> after so, a few margaritas. The, the uh, mocktail margarita.
4: Oh, of there
0: you go. Yeah, yeah oh. of course.
1: <laughs> you, you'll be yeah. high on sugar. Yes, yeah,
0: that's right. <laughs> Emily, thanks for joining us. Emily, thanks for joining us this morning.
1: Thanks for having me. Thanks for your time. Emily Mannix from the Vixens on the Bucket List.
0: Are you going on a holiday? Well, what's the one thing you need when one thing goes wrong? One cover
2: insurance. Give me that insurance.
0: Voted Travel Insurer of the Year 2019. Give me that,
2: give me that, give me
0: that. One cover travel insurance. Give me
4: that insurance. One cover travel insurance. Voted Travel Insurer of the Year by ProductReview.com.au. One
0: cover is underwritten by certain underwriters at Lloyds. Always read the BDS before purchasing at onecover.com.au.
2: <gasps> you're listening
1: to The Bucket List. It's SEN Plus, The Bucket List. This morning we're chatting to Tony Armstrong, former AFL player. Good morning, Tony. G'day, how are you going? Really well. You've played for the Adelaide Crows, the Sydney Swans and Collingwood. Can I ask which is your favourite?
5: Well, I was born about 500 metres from the SCG, so I grew up a die-hard Swans fan and then It was an absolute dream being able to uh, request a trade and go back and play a couple of years there. However, I still have a soft spot for both Collingwood and the Crows as well. But yeah, I'm a Swan's enoughie again.
1: I mean, you would have loved the Collingwood supporters. I mean, they are a diehard bunch, aren't they?
5: Yeah, I mean, it was kind of nice being off back down here. I went to boarding school just north of Melbourne, so it was nice to um, finish a career off down here in Melbourne and get to experience what it was like at one of the big four clubs and probably the biggest club in Australia.
1: So, how did you actually get started in footy?
5: So I wanted to play rugby league growing up. I grew up a Manly Sea Eagles fan. The whole family from the northern beaches, but mum wouldn't let me play rugby league because I was a little bit too slender. So she knocked me in the path of AFL, and that was what got me into it, and it really piqued my interest. I guess from there, kind of just got better and better at it, and you tend to enjoy sports when you're good at them. So I just kind of stayed on that path.
1: Plus, if you'd been playing rugby league, your face wouldn't be as pretty.
5: Well, well, they're yours. I'm not going to disagree. I'm just going to say it's not broken because it would have been pretty busted up had I played as a half-back in uh, rugby league, that's for sure.
1: So if uh, you hadn't become a footballer, what do you think you would have done?
5: Oh, jeez, that's a really good question i always had an interest in, in creative writing. I don't really know where that would have got me from a career point of view. Maybe maybe writing as a journalist, I think I, I saw something romantic in that. But as I get a little bit older and realise how tough some of the journalists have got it, that might not have been the best career path. I
1: actually was wondering, because you said you grew up near, near the beaches, whether you were maybe into surfing.
5: I really enjoy the water, but we moved away a little bit before I could get really, really good at surfing. Like I enjoy the water and I enjoy the beach. But I'm not as good at surfing as I'd like to be. I suppose, though, if you were to tell me I could have the choice of being a surfer now, I'd probably say yes if it meant I got to chase the sun around.
1: How did you actually learn to call football? How do you do that?
5: (laughs) It's quite an unnatural thing, really, when you think about it, sitting down and just yelling about a game. I was lucky enough to get tapped on the shoulder by Chris Johnson, to do some work for the National Indigenous Radio Service and specifically the AFL Indigenous Broadcasting Team. And I started off doing special comments. And what happened was, out of that, they just said, we think you can call. And Barry Denner, who's also heavily involved in that broadcast, he said, I'll teach us. We just used to go and sit in the empty boxes. He would teach me the crafts and teach me the structures. I would practice my calling, but I only did that for a couple of weeks. And then they threw me in and I started calling National Indigenous Broadcasting Games. I've just been interrogating Baz every week about how I can get better and just trying to listen to his feedback. It's a really weird one. I don't reckon anyone actually grows up thinking about being a caller. You, you mm. can't, it's really one of those things that you get kind of pulled into and then you've got to work out.
1: Is it actually fun?
5: Oh, it's so much fun. It is so much fun. It's, it's quite hard at the start because because you've never done it before and it's quite unnatural. You can't really think about what you're saying, if that makes sense, yeah. because the game's happening so fast. You almost just have to speak as you see. You try to call half a second behind the ball, but it's almost see it, say it. You almost cut off that part of your brain where you think. It is a lot of fun, and I think the more you do it, like I'm still an absolute baby in terms of commentary experience. It's a lot of fun, and I think the more you do it, the better you get, and the better you get, the more fun you have.
1: So the important question is, tomorrow you're calling the game for Richmond taking on the West Coast, Eagles the MCG. Who's going to win?
5: Oh, jeez, that's a good question. I mean, it's 3v4. West Coast haven't lost in Melbourne in two years, and the Tigers are flying. I'm going to do my best Switzerland impression and and say I think it'll be a good game of footy. If a game was held to my head, I'd probably say the Tigers just with the home ground advantage, but you're a very brave person if, if you're tipping against West Coast with the form they're in at the moment.
1: Oh, thanks for that. I know no, who to bet on?
5: <laughs> do it responsibly if you do it, though.
1: I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've got to ask you, uh, Tony, this show is called The Bucket List. What is on your bucket yeah. list?
5: There are probably two things that I'd really love to go to. I'd love to go to see a Super Bowl. American football is such a great sport and the way they do it's incredible. And the other one that i Would love to do is go to a Champions League final. So, watch the two best teams in Europe battle it out to be the European champions in uh, soccer. That's what's on my sporting bucket list.
1: So, do you think there's any chance you might sort of, you know, evolve into maybe calling uh, some American gridiron games or some Champion League?
5: Well, Jared got to go over and cover the Super Bowl this year, so there's hope somewhere a long way down the line, but that might be able to happen. But if not, I'm sure one day I'll be able to get down there and do it as a fan.
1: Tony Armstrong on The Bucket List.
2: You're listening to The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons.
0: Now, Diana, this weekend, it is the All-Ireland Hurling Final over in Dublin at Croke Park. Grabbed Liam Lenahan to take us through what to expect from a day out at the hurling and what the All-Ireland Final means
6: to the Irish. Well, actually, from Kikenny, So this weekend is a, a very, very special weekend with Kenny playing Tipperary at the final.
0: Yes, it's uh, That's uh, it's the unexpected final as well, by all accounts.
6: Yes, definitely. Um, Kikennie and Tipperary would be two of... The traditional hurling counties who have been very strong in the last few years, but this year they were going in as outsiders. They've both got through to the final, which obviously I'm delighted. Um, see Kenny there, I was actually back home a few weeks ago, and I was at the semi-final where Kenny beat Limerick, who were the reigning champions, which was, which was a huge upset. Um so it is a kind of a more traditional final but very very exciting two teams who will go v- very hard on Sunday.
0: I don't know why anyone would ever want to play hurling because I have seen fingers get broken, smashed. People get smashed with the uh, the hurl. It is a brutal brutal sport.
6: When you play the game from a very young age, you learn how to protect yourself. I suppose the harder you go in, the less likely you are going to come out at the receiving end of getting hit with the hurl. But yeah, there there is injuries like any sport, but I've been lucky enough. I've never broken a finger or broken a bone. I've been playing for over 20 years. But it's a very enjoyable sport to play. And we have had, one am playing out here in Melbourne, there is an active... Hurling scene, and we do have some Australians who play as well. And we have a uh, Jackson Johnson the guy who grew up out in Eastern Suburbs in Melbourne. He's been playing since he's fourteen, and uh, he's one of our best players.
0: Brilliant. Well, it's good to see hurling like uh, being played all around the world. I know even in the states, there's a massive hurling scene, which is uh, which is very very different. I know there's a lot of Irish heritage out there, but I mean, we like to think of the uh, in Melbourne, the AFL Grand Final, basically everyone watches it. Is it the same with hurling? And on a side
6: note, obviously Gaelic football as well. Does it? Does the country stop? Ireland-Hurling final and the football final will have the two biggest slots in the year on the television calendar back in Ireland. Um, The whole country will watch it and the same around the world with Irish expats all around the world. There's now an online streaming service dedicated to Hurling and Gaelic football so we get the games no matter where you are in the world you'll be able to watch it live on sunday and we'll all be tuning in here in australia and in melbourne and like you said the whole of ireland will be watching it because there's something special about hurling it is indigenous to ireland um obviously getting football is another one of our sports but hurling has a huge history going back over 800 years and something very special and unique to ireland that is the game of hurling and we're very proud of it
1: liam tell us about the hurling club that you play for in melbourne
6: so I play for the Gary Young Club in Melbourne. It was founded over 60 years ago. There's four club parting clubs in Melbourne and the season in Melbourne runs from January to June. Uh, involved in playing against the local Melbourne teams but there's also a number of interstate competitions. There's the Park Pierce's Sevens competition in February where teams from all over Australia and actually this year the Middle East come to Melbourne for a one day competition and that's in Hurling, getting Football, Ladies Football and Ladies Hurling and there's over 2,000 people attend that. Wow,
5: brilliant!
6: Uh, uh, it's massive and then there's the Australasian State Games which is where all the different states in Australia come together to play against each other. The State Games in Australia is is a real unique celebration where it's a, a four day tournament hosted in different parts of Australia mm. each year. I actually, year went,
0: Liam, I actually went to the uh, Australasian Games in Perth. A couple of years ago, obviously. Yeah, I was I was I was playing with that one. Ah, there you uh, go, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the president of Ireland was. was I know he was one. there. President yeah. of Ireland. Yeah. he was. He wasn't yeah. happy. He was overshadowed because I was there.
1: Oh yeah, good yeah.
6: One. <laughs> by the Welsh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, it, it is. A, I suppose the peak tournament in Australia, and it's a, a very very high standard. Very unique that we get to travel around Australia and get to play play the games against. obviously expats, but there is native games as well where we have a lot of native born Australians playing in those games as well. Look, that's
1: fantastic. Thank you so much, Liam, for chatting to us this morning about hurling. That's Liam Lenahan on the bucket list. This morning, we're chatting to Daniel Ciccone from Sportsnet Holidays. Got the Masters coming up in 2020. Thursday, the 9th of April, over four days.
0: This one is probably the top of my bucket list nowadays.
3: Me as well. Simply, this is the most coveted event in professional golf. One of the biggest bucket list events on earth. Every year, it's held at one of the most most iconic prestigious and challenging golf courses in the world in augusta national golf club the only major to be held at the same club year in year out an event steeped in tradition and some of the most memorable and iconic moments in golf have taken place at the masters from tiger woods just this year winning his sixth masters and 15th major you know an incredible 14 years after winning his last who can forget adam scott becoming the first australian to win the masters in 2013 and plus of all of greg norman's heartbreaks over the years this one is an absolute cracker tell
1: us dan about some of the traditions.
3: There's many. One of the reasons I absolutely love this event, it's an invitation-only event. Past winners have a lifetime invitation to play each year. That's really special to, to see some of golf's greatest play at this event from year to year. A green jacket is awarded to the winner, very famous, who must return to the clubhouse a year later, present to the current year winner. Although the jacket is the property of the winner, the jacket is <laughs> not allowed to leave the no, club grounds. that's exactly
0: it right. It gets stored in a uh, wardrobe there at Augusta. Exactly.
3: On the morning of the first round. A past champion will hit an honorary tee shot to commence play, usually a Jack Nicklaus or a Gary Player and it's just renowned for its impeccable appearance. You know, the fairways look like carpet, pine straw is imported and placed around the course immaculately, bird noises are placed on hidden speakers and the ponds are even dyed blue. I love everything about this event.
1: Where are most of the guests travelling from and what travel packages do you offer, Daniel?
3: Generally from Australia, this one, but we do receive interest from all over the corners of the globe because it is the handful of of biggest bucket list events on earth. Travel packages are great. We have a three-night weekend package, so for those that just want to experience Saturday and Sunday of the Masters, alternatively, you can combine that with a six or seven-night VIP golfing experience where we include four rounds of golf at at, at world-class golf courses in the area as well. A different package, we have a weekday experience package. So we include the Tuesday uh, practice day session and the Thursday and Friday, the first two days of the Masters. Some people would prefer those two days because no one's actually missed the cut yet. So you get to see every player. And then we combine that one as well with an elite golfing experience. We throw in two rounds of golf with that package as well. We've got something for everyone.
0: You cannot... Buy a ticket for the US Masters. They are not on the open market. You have to go through official travel agencies like SportsNet holidays. You must only have a limited number of packages you can sell because you can't buy these tickets.
3: Spot on, these tickets don't go on a Ticketmaster or a Ticket Tech. They are very difficult to get. You have to buy them as part of a package. We have access to them. I've heard some horror stories regarding this event as well. So working with someone who has official access and official tickets and official packages is definitely the way to go. On top, obviously, the the tickets. We do include some special experiences as well. A hospitality house, only 200 meters from Augusta National. So everyone who books a package with us will have access to this house. We provide some welcome drinks. There's private catering throughout by leading Australian chef, Matthew Butcher. We have a welcome event on Wednesday and Saturday evenings. Plus we have some guest speakers as well. On the Sunday post the green jacket presentation, we have an event at the house as well to celebrate the winner. For those who book one of our golfing experience packages, we include world-class golf courses from Palmetto Golf Club to the Reserve VIP to River Club. Lots of special experiences over and above the Masters itself.
1: There's so many reasons why you'd book through Sportsnet Holidays. Well,
0: I've told you. You can't get tickets for love nor money. They're not on the open market. You can't get hotels sold out months and years in advance. The US Masters is just exclusive. If you want a package to get to the US Masters Golf Tournament, what are we going to do?
1: You need to contact Sportsnet Holidays, sportsnetholidays.com,
0: or give them a bell, 1300 888 858.